With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. The wait is finally over. Baseball season is here at last and the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to claim victory when you can win huge cash every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players, stay under the salary cap, and you could be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day, just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code SPREAKER to play for free. You can win part of $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Tuesday Time Out here on NGSBSports.com. I am your host, Big Jim. It is Tuesday, April 14th. We are one day away from the greatest playoffs in all of sports. I don't care what anybody says. It is not a debate. It is not an argument. If you think otherwise, guess what? You're wrong. Um, That's the way it is. I don't like telling people they're wrong a lot, but you're wrong on this one. If you think that anything but the Stanley Cup playoff is the greatest playoffs in all of sports, and in just a minute we're going to have Jake Gittler uh, join us to uh, to break it down, to preview the Stanley Cup playoffs, give the predictions for who we think is going to be raising the greatest trophy in all of sports in just a few months. So uh, stay tuned for that. I want to remind everybody we are here on NGSCSports.com, where we never stop. Visit NGSC Sports for all the shows all the content, all the podcasts, visit it, bookmark it, visit it every day, listen to the shows every day, folks. Uh, We have plenty of stuff going on here. Uh, Also, you can podcast it at Spreaker and iHeartRadio by searching NGSC. You can also uh, subscribe to this show directly uh, on iTunes by searching Big Jim Sports. If you want to call in and talk to us during the show, 724-444-7444. The call ID 135138 is the number. You can always follow me on Twitter at Big Jim Sports. And you can like our Facebook page at facebook.com 
slash Big Jim Sports. And, and I want to bring in now uh, our guest for the first hour to be talking about the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, he is a New York Rangers contributor for the Hockey Writers, a communications assistant for the Adirondack Flames of the American Hockey League. Uh, previously, he worked uh, on with the Blue Shirt Buds on BlueShirtsUnited.com as the ultimate Rangers fan. Jake Gittler, welcome into the show, buddy. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well, Jim. How are you? I am doing good, man. Um, I know I had you on once before a long time ago. We talked about this ultimate Ranger fan thing, but for anybody that didn't hear the story, what is that all about? Oh, it was it was one of the the wildest experiences of my life. Uh, it, it it all began really. Uh, it was a silly idea in my dorm room. I, I went to the University of Vermont, uh, graduated last spring, but in in 2012, uh, the Rangers. Uh, advertised this ultimate fan contest, and I thought it would be funny to uh, climb a mountain uh, not far from Burlington, Vermont, uh, in the middle of winter with a, a Stanley Cup that I had made with some of my friends from high school, uh, and I climbed up the mountain and made a video kind of describing why I thought I was the ultimate Rangers fan, and really long story short, uh, thanks to the support of, of family and friends uh, all across the world, really, uh, I somehow won this contest, and I not only won three uh, season tickets for what turned out to be the lockout shortened season, but I got the opportunity to work uh, on this web series, essentially this fan-based web series uh, for BlueShirtsUnited.com for for the Rangers, and uh, I had the privilege to kind of travel around with the team through their playoff run uh, in 2012 when they went to the conference finals against the Devils uh, and ultimately lost. Uh, I had the, uh, you know, I, I went to games, uh, you know, in Boston and Montreal and Ottawa, New Jersey, Washington, uh, Philadelphia. I've had, you know, and it's just been this, it was like a three-year-long or two, two and a half years of just the most incredible fan experience a fan could ever hope for. Um, and I, I met, you know, I know you know Mike Polano. Um, you know, we, we got to work together and just have such a blast. Um, essentially messing with fans, uh, both uh, from the opposing teams, both on the road and at home at Madison Square Garden. And um, it was, it was I, I, I struggle to find the words still, you know, even a couple of years later, struggle to find the words to describe that entire experience. Um, but I came away from it wanting to be around sports. And, and so here I am, you know, just trying to find a, a real career in, in the hockey industry. Very cool, and and, and um, we'll give you a chance to talk about the stuff you're doing with uh, with Adirondack. Then before uh, before we let you go after the first hour here, um, but yeah, I know I, I've seen the stuff, the blue shirt bud stuff. Uh, Mike uh, Polano always likes to uh, tweet me the uh, the video down in Washington of uh, the, you know trying to get guys to wear the the, the Rangers jersey and things. So. Uh, always cool stuff there. Um, before we get talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs, there's a story that came out a couple days ago uh, as the as the teams that didn't make it began to tear down and and, and close out for the uh, for the summer. Um, L.A. Kings general manager Dean Lombardi uh, said that things got so bad at one point this year for the with the inconsistency of the uh, of the Kings season that after a uh, a game back in February they actually locked 
Coach Daryl Sutter out of the locker room with locked doors and garbage cans to hold a, a players-only meeting. I, I think, you know, the, the way I perceive it as a, as a team, just you come off the Stanley Cup win, and they were really up and down all year and, and so close to, to getting into uh, the postseason, but just barely missing out uh, by a couple of points. Jake, have you ever heard anything? I mean, I know players at times will have players-only meetings, but have you ever seen it go to the extent of, you know, you, you think of it, you, I almost think of this picture of, uh, you know, like kids or something when they think somebody's breaking into the house and they stack <laughs> dressers and garbage cans and anything they can find in a room, uh, you know, to keep somebody out of the window or out of the door. But, I mean, these are grown hockey players stacking gar- garbage cans in front of a locker room door to keep their coach out. Could you believe that story? Yeah, you know, it, it's a little, it is a little bizarre. Um, but you know what, I, I got to tell you, I don't, I have, while I have not heard of that happening before, uh, you know, I think it was Yahoo uh, Puck Daddy that, that made a pretty good point of, um, you know, we really don't know if that stuff happens, you know, how, or how often it happens, or, you know, if it happens to other teams. Um, we really you know, as fans kind of on the outside, we don't see the everyday workings. And, and this may be, you know, an incident that, while rare, may still happen, you know, on occasion from time to time uh, with different teams. We just may not know. I, you know, I think it was when Epic, it happened when Epics was following around the Kings prior to the, the stadium series. So, you know, tensions may have been high for a number of reasons. The inconsistency of the team obviously could have been one of them. But, you know, maybe even, you know, the, the camera crew from Epics um, started to take a toll on the team. You, you, we just, you know, it's an odd story because of, of how, how little we actually know about it. I mean, you know, it was interesting that Lombardi said as much as he did. But, you know, that's a tough time in the season in February. You're, you're kind of past the, um, the beginning stage of the season. You're just past the all-star break. Um, and, and, but you're right before, you know, the must-win games of the playoff run. Uh, so, you know, I, it doesn't, you know, I mean, it, it surprises me to an extent, but at the same time, it really doesn't in a way. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, you know, just a lot of that, if more teams just do a better uh, job of, of pushing that stuff under the rug. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was one point this year. I know it was reported the Capitals uh, had done it. I know a few years ago. Uh, when I when I wrote for the Hershey Bears, uh, I know that that was done in Hershey at the time. You know, t- yeah, teams go through struggles, and and I never really thought of it. You know, when when you have the, those those epic cameras, you, you know, you see the the. I mean, it's been on the HBO series in years past. This year, of course, with Epics. Um, you know, I know at, at one point the when the Capitals were first in the Winter Classic at Pittsburgh. Um, they had gone on kind of a downswing for a couple weeks, and there was, you know, it's now the, the I'm sure it's, it's a viral clip of Bruce Boudreau just dropping about 15 or 16 F-bombs in a, in a matter of about 30 seconds, uh, tearing into the team after a loss. So, you know, the season's pressure enough when you get, in, get into the second half of the year when you're starting to, you know, look at the standings and go, what do we have to do? How can we turn this around? And then, of course, when you have cameras in your face, I have to imagine it would make it a must, much more stressful locker room than it normally is. And you're right, this may happen more, and, and maybe they do a better job at, uh, at, at keeping the media quiet or, or just um, 
you know, just doing a better job keeping it in house. And, and, you know, eventually with some teams it'll get out, but I just thought it was a really, really uh, interesting story, uh, you know, showing how, you know, from year to year, you have a team that wins a cup and, and this year, not only are you missing the, the previous year's Stanley cup champion, but you're also missing the previous year's president's trophy winner. So, um, a lot of new faces in, in the playoffs this year. Um, a lot of new teams, and and you know it's, it's hard to believe that uh, you know October was was so many months ago. Um, I actually think I had Polano on the show, and he previewed the the, the this whole season uh, with me all the way back in October. So it's hard to believe that we're here. But the playoffs start tomorrow, Jake. And, and before we get to each each um, series in, in the in the first round and preview them, what is it that you that you're most looking forward to or most intriguing storyline going into this postseason? Uh, most intriguing storyline, I, I need a minute to think about that, but I think the thing that I'm just most excited about, and you touched upon it right in the intro uh, by saying that there's no debate that it, this is the greatest, uh, you know, greatest sports playoffs out there. Uh, and and it's, it's, that's 100% true. Um, I think that's just the whole thing. I'm just so excited for it. it there's something really special about the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, you know, it's different from every other sport in, in that I, I don't think you can get enough of it. I, I think every game from game one of round one through game seven of the Stanley Cup final is somehow reaches unbelievable intensity. And I, and I don't know how it happens every year, but, but it, it's just incredible. You know, a game will end – you know, like, like tomorrow when, when the games get going. You know, there's going to be the first game, Ottawa-Montreal, at 7 o'clock. And then and you guys, the Capitals and the Islanders, are going to play at 7 as well. And then at 8.30, the next game is going to start, you know, Nashville and Chicago. And that game is going to reach the intensity that both the first games, Ottawa-Montreal and Washington uh, and the Islanders, it's going to reach that intensity. And every game, it, it's, it's unbelievable. And I, I year after year, I'm just baffled and, and pleasantly surprised at, at just how incredible it really is. Um, I, I can't think of another, another better way to put it. But I think that's just, I, I get, you know, I, I'll use a reference that, you know, doesn't entirely make sense for me, but, you know, I grew up uh, in a Jewish household, but um, it's like Christmas morning for me. It's like waking up with just this unbelievable excitement um, that, you know, we're finally, it's finally back. The, the Stanley Cup playoffs are finally back. And you just know, um, you know, it's like Masters Sunday. Like something could, something really special could happen uh, with the puck drop in each and every game. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I think back every year, you know, the first couple nights, I start off so strong. And, you know, no matter how late the first set of games go, I'm up watching and, and uh, there was one year uh, when I was in college, it stands out. I can't remember the exact year, but uh, it was a game in Vancouver, went to like three overtimes on night one. And I'm just sitting there with my roommates and we're sitting around. And uh, I was the biggest hockey fan of the bunch, but we were all just sitting around and, and watching this game till like almost three in the morning. And, and we didn't care because, you know, and, and especially when you get into those overtimes, you're, you're just hanging on every shot. Every time the puck comes across that blue line, yeah. You're just hanging yeah. on every single moment. It it, it it's an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable playoffs. Two months, it, you know, it, it just grips you in. I, I don't see how anybody can think 
that any sport matches it because it doesn't even come close. But we're actually, let's start in the Western Conference. Uh, we're going to start way out West, Canucks and Flames, looking at uh, at this series. Uh, the Canucks, the two seed in the um, in the Pacific Division, Vancouver coming in uh, at the two seed, Calgary at the at the three seed. Uh, regular season, uh, they went two and two. Uh, one of the losses for the Flames came in overtime. Um, you know, as, as I look at this matchup, and you have two teams that were relatively close in points, 101, 97 points separate each other. You know, head head to head matchups. They were very, very close. Calgary, a team that, that far exceeded expectations this year, and I think Vancouver did a little bit too. You know, preseason, a lot of people talking about Calgary was going to be this team that, that was going to be probably the number one draft pick. They were going to be the worst team in the league. And, uh, you know, Bob Hartley and company have turned this team around that, you know, Calgary's always, always an, an exciting atmosphere when the playoffs roll around. Um, you know, Vancouver, Vancouver, the Canadian hockey fans are so passionate. Um, this is a series that I'm looking at that, that I'm really looking forward to just because you have two passionate fan bases, two teams that are definitely uh, on the upswing, Jake. And as I look at it, um, I, I, I don't think it's going to go a full seven games, uh, even though they were so closely matched in the regular season. I actually have the Flames kind of pulling a, a little bit of an upset here, winning in about six games. Okay, yeah, you know, I, I also have the Flames. I think I think it will actually go seven games, but I have the Flames also emerging uh, with the with the series win. And I, I think this is going to be a terrific, terrific series. Um, I think Calgary. I mean, you know, that that arena, that building is going to be bananas. It's going to be bouncing. It's going to be really fun to watch um, because this this Flames team. Is uh, you know, and we you know the cool thing about working here in Adirondack, um, you know, we've had a lot of our guys go up to Calgary and, and kind of you know play and get to know the system that Bob Hartley uh, and you know that the system that they run up there, and it's a really exciting, fast-paced uh, game that they play, and and it's just um, it's been really fun to see you know like you said they've they've kind of exceeded expectations. But, you know, what, what Captain Mark Giordano had been doing earlier in the season before he, uh, unfortunately, uh, was sidelined with an injury, uh, it was just spectacular. I, I, you know, I think if he had stayed healthy, he really could have made a, a serious run uh, for the Norris Trophy. I think he, you know, 37 assists. I mean, it was, just, it was terrific, 48 points uh, over those 61 games. He took, he took command. But the guy I think you really need to, to give a ton of credit to uh, is Yuri Hoodler. Uh, he set career highs in, in goals and points this season. Um, I mean, he turned in a 76-point season um, and really took the reins. When, when Giordano went down, Hoodler was the man who, who, who you know, stood up and said, let's, let's go, boys. You know, he, he really he took that leadership role, and it was, it was um, you know, good on him for that because this team, uh, they're young, they're exciting, and they're fast. And, um, and, and you know what? Jonas Hiller can steal a game or two here and there because uh, he's also a, a really, really strong goalie. Uh, and I think when you match him up against the Canucks, I think it is, it's, you know, it's pretty even. Um, you know, both teams are playing pretty well going into the playoffs. Uh, the Sabine Twins uh, had really uh, a very, very good season, each exceeding 70 points. But I, I think, uh, you know, across the board, as, as you look down the Flames lineup, they're just deeper than, than Vancouver is. Um, you know, Johnny Goudreau had a, just a sensational rookie season. 
Sean Monahan did not get the sophomore blues. Uh, you know, another 31 goals he puts up this season. Uh, I, I, I just think that, you know, up and down the lineup, I think Calgary is a little deeper um, than, than Vancouver. The Canucks might be a little more top-heavy, but I like the, I like the Flames. I, I think they're going to really, um, you know, if they can steal one in Vancouver over these next couple games, these first couple games, I think they go home and they, and they take both in Calgary. Um, you know, and Vancouver's not going to go down easy, but I think uh, I think Calgary finds a way uh, to pull off the, the small upset here in this one. Yeah, it, Bob Hartley is is a hell of a coach, and and to me, if I had if I had a vote, would probably be my vote for the for the Jack Adams Award. He actually was uh, a Calder Cup winning coach in Hershey um, when he was uh, with the Avalanche, and and the Bears were affiliated with the Avalanche. Went up to Colorado, won a Stanley Cup there. So so he's he's proving once again that 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 he is a a, a heck of a hockey coach. And, um, and and has put something pretty special uh, together up there in Calgary. And, and it's going to be a very, very cool environment. You know, I think last year there was hardly any uh, Canadian teams in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And this year, you know, in, in the West, as we're going to preview in the next series, uh, the, 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 this playoff year is loaded with Canadian teams. So you're going to see very passionate fan bases, very different uh, types of fan bases than sometimes you see uh, in the U.S. But um, – yeah, it, it should be a great series. Actually, all of these, I think, should be great series. Um, yeah. uh, Anaheim, Winnipeg. Uh, Anaheim, the um, number one team in the West at 109 points, get the uh, get the number two wild card spot of the 99 point uh, Winnipeg Jets. The uh, the season series was all ducks all the time. Uh, Anaheim three and zero. Although Winnipeg did take two of those into overtime. Um, and, and really looking at looking at this series on paper, uh, it, it's hard to think and to see that that uh, Winnipeg would even stand a chance. But um, you know, as I look at it, Bruce Boudreau, former coach of the Washington Capitals uh, and, and my Hershey Bears, uh, but he he's almost become wherever he goes, they, they almost get what I like to call San Jose Shark Syndrome, where they get into the playoffs and they forget forget what the hell they're doing. Right. Um, right. Uh, so, you know, I, I look at this 109 points, 99 points. There's, there's, there's 10 points of separation between the two teams. Like I said, on paper, the Ducks look better. They probably look stronger, faster, and all of that. But th- this is probably my biggest upset of the first round. I actually have Winnipeg because of their home environment. Those people are crazy. If they can steal one in Anaheim, which I think they can, I actually have Winnipeg taking this series to seven games but getting the win. And, and bumping the ducks out in round one. Wow, uh, you know that that is bold. I, I mean, I, I think a lot of people have the ducks. You know, even going to the Stanley Cup final, maybe winning the Stanley Cup this year. Um, I think this this series really, what it boils down to, you know, is what Andre Pavlik is going to show up. You know, he had a really nice start to the season. Yeah, he was, you know, he was really, really strong. And then he went through this period where he really he didn't look like a like a really uh, like a top notch goalie. He really struggled, but but you know he came around later in the season and refound his game. Um, he's the kind of goalie. It, it's going to be hit or miss. I think if if the Andre Pavlik of the um, of the last few games. I mean he he finished the season 
uh, with three shutouts in a row. You know, his, his, or his last three starts uh, were shutouts. If that Andre Pavlik is going to is going to play in this series, then the Ducks are going to be in trouble. Uh, if the Andre Pavlik of you know the middle of the season shows up. Uh, I don't think there's going to be much of a matchup, and I think the Ducks, you know, Getzloff and Perry are just going to run train and, uh, and and make it a really difficult, frustrating series for Winnipeg. Um, but I think, well, you know, I, I, on the same token, I, I think Winnipeg, um, you know, they, they are a good team. You know, they've, uh, you know, that building is going to be wild. It's going to be, um, it, it's going to be crazy. Uh, Anaheim's going to struggle to play there. I will say though, I think, um, I think Anaheim's home ice advantage there. Um, will play some sort of a role. You know, um, Winnipeg wasn't that good. Uh, the Jets were not very strong on the road this season. They had 20 road wins, but they also had 21 losses. Uh, granted, eight of those came in overtime. Uh, but I think the, you know, the Jets are going to need, and you know, obviously they don't have home ice advantage here, they're going to need to steal one, maybe two, uh, on the road at the Honda Center in Anaheim. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think... Um, you know, Andrew Ladd had a really good season, uh, as did uh, Blake Wheeler. Uh, you know, they're going to be they're going to be jazzed up. I mean, it's been a, it's been a long time, obviously, since since playoff hockey has been in Winnipeg. But I, I really, like I said before, you know, I, I think it just comes down to Pavlik, which goaltender, which Andre Pavlik is going to show up in this one. Um, you know, because Freddie Anderson is going to play well for the Ducks. Right? You know, they've got a big, strong team in front end. That's not such a concern, as far as you know, as, as far as I see it, for Anaheim. But for the Jets, it's uh, it's Pavlik. Um, you know, it just it just depends which one shows up. Um, so we'll see. I, I think I I have Anaheim winning in six, but uh, you know I I like I like the bold prediction though, Jim. I, I think uh, that would be quite the upset. Yeah, it, it's just it's one of these things. I was looking at it, and uh, for me, this was the hardest one to pick in the first round because something about it. And and I said, you know, even even a month and a half, two months ago, when I when I kept looking at the standings, I said, just let Winnipeg get in, just let Winnipeg get in, um, and 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 they did, and they got in um, four points ahead of Los Angeles, and and just something about it says something special. I think one of the key matchups in this series would be the power play, something that was so strong for Bruce Boudreaux when he was with Washington, was not strong at all this year for Anaheim. 28th in the league on the power play, penalty kill for the Jets was it was in the top half, almost in the top third. So when you when you look at that, if, if the, the, the Jets are able to keep power play goals off the board for, for Anaheim, I think that's a, that's a strong thing too because that can get under a player's skin. That can frustrate them. And and I agree with you though that 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 the the, the goalie play for Winnipeg um, is downright critical. Yeah, no, I think I, I I really I just have this feeling that that's what this series is going to come down to. I think the teams are are you know I, I think Anaheim's a better team, but I think the teams are fairly evenly matched. You know, both you know big and fast uh, and physical teams. But I I think um, you know it certainly could come down you know special teams. But you know the playoffs are weird in the sense that. Uh, you know, there's much more, you know, I guess depending on, on the, the officiating crew that you get. But, you know, in general, you know, they're going to let the, the guys play. These games mean, you know, far more than the regular season, obviously. And they're going to be less, you know, less small penalties called. So, um, you know, Winnipeg's uh, penalty kill, 
you know, the Ducks' lackluster power play. I, it certainly could could make a difference, but I, I really think, um, you know, it's just going to boil down to Pavlik. I, I think, um, you know, you get late-season Pavlik, uh, it's going to cause problems for, for the Ducks. If you get, uh, you know, January, February Pavlik, um, when he wasn't even starting, uh, I, I, I don't I don't know how, how great this matchup will be. But, uh, you know, it certainly has the potential. It's, it's all there. Yeah, very good. Moving now to the to the Central Division, you have the number two uh, Nashville Predators and the number three Chicago Blackhawks, 104 points to 102 respectively. So very, very tight race uh, that division was. Uh, Nashville coming into the regular season against Chicago, 1-1-2, one, one, and, and Blackhawks uh, obviously 3-1 and one in, in that matchup. Uh, Blackhawks obviously a very strong team, a team that if I think back, and I was looking for my notes. This was bothering me. I kind of revamped my desk setup where I have uh, where I where I do my shows at. And somehow in the shuffle, I lost my notes from uh, back in October. But I'm pretty sure I had the Blackhawks over the Rangers uh, for as my preseason pick. I I completely changed courses uh, now as as we get down and see the see the teams as they are now. But. Uh, you know, looking at the Blackhawks, they, they kind of limped through the last part of the year, four and six in their last ten. Nashville all four, four and two in their last ten. The Blackhawks losing four straight though. But then again, you were also mi- missing Patrick Kane. Uh, they were kind of banged up. Uh, Patrick Kane is going to be playing in Game One. He is back. He is healthy. I think that is going to be a huge boost for the Chicago team, um, who absolutely has the has more experience right now. I know. Peter Laviolette, as, as the coach this year, has done a tremendous job turning turning the Nashville Predators around, uh, you know, revamping the entire system there. Completely different style than what the what Nashville was playing uh, under Barry Trotz. But uh, I, I look at this series, and I, and I see Chicago winning in six. I think it's going to be a tough series, you know, a well-fought series. But I think the experience of the Blackhawks, especially with the return of Patrick Kane, is going to be just a little bit too much um, for for a Nashville team that that's you know young, quick, very very good, very talented, but but just doesn't have that experience yet. Yeah, well, you know, uh, so I'm going to go. I'm going to agree that Chicago's going to take this series. I'm going to say they're going to take it in seven. Uh, and here's why: there are a couple reasons. I, I think it's going to take Chicago a little time to get their feet under them, and and it's going to be a little bit of a tougher series than uh, you know some might be anticipating. First of all, like you said, Patrick Kane. Uh, I think you got to give the guy a game or two to really get his game back. He hasn't played in a while, um, but but he he's essentially the X, the X factor for the Blackhawks. If he is healthy, if he is you know at, at you know playing at 100, percent it's going to be really really difficult for the Predators to keep the Blackhawks in check. So I'm going to give him a game or two, let him get his feet back under him. But if Kane is back, it's going to be really, really difficult. You know, a deep Chicago team just gets that much deeper. Um, I think Chicago is also going to exploit, you know, the um, the Predators don't have a very strong bottom six. You know, the Mike, Mike Fisher uh, being out of the lineup hurts. But they really, you know, their top six is great. You know, Ribeiro's had an unbelievable comeback season for Nashville. You know, he's centering Neil and Forsberg. Uh, that's, that's just a terrific line. Um, and then you've got, you know, um, Mike Santorelli, who came over uh, from Toronto uh, right around the trade deadline. Um, you've got Smith and Wilson. 
But then you go, um, you go to the bottom six, and it, it just doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't strike me as, as a really frightening uh, bottom two lines. You know, you got Matt Cullen, you know, who had seven goals this season. Um, you know, Paul Goffstad, who, you know, at one time or another was, was you know, putting up some decent numbers. He had four goals this season. He's centering the fourth line. Um, I think the, you know, the Blackhawks absolutely win, uh, win that battle hands down. And I think that's going to trouble uh, Nashville, especially come a seven-game series. Um, you know, the thing that's going to help Nashville is they're really good at home. They had the second-best home record this season you know, with 28 wins, um, and they do have home ice advantage. So that, uh, that could certainly come into play. Granted, I, you know, I would imagine Blackhawks fans are going to make a nice trip down to Nashville and, and uh, make it not feel like such a, a, a tough road game for Chicago. But um, you know, that could certainly work in Nashville's favor. But then again, you know, with the postseason, it always you always have to go back to goaltending, uh, and, and especially with a matchup uh, in Crawford and Rene. Rene, to me, is the Nashville X factor. Uh, the guy is just tremendous. He had a really uh, standout season, you know, 41 wins, two one eight goals against. Uh, the guy, the guy is a real deal, uh, and he. Uh, like a number of other goalies, you know, who have made the postseason this year, could absolutely swing a series. Um, you know, I, I would not be surprised to see him steal one, maybe two games. I still think Chicago's going to win in seven. I think Chicago is just, they're too good, they're, and they're too experienced. They're too good and too experienced for, like you said, a really young, fairly inexperienced Nashville team. Um, but I think Rene is going to make it hard on Chicago. Uh, I think this could be a really, really good series and the series that, that people may, uh, may forget about until game seven rolls around. And, and uh, I think it's going to be a fun one. I'm, I'm looking forward to this series. Very good. Final first round series in the West. The, uh, the team that actually tied Anaheim for the, for the most points in the West, the St. Louis blues had 109 points. Uh, but but lost the tiebreaker uh, with with Anaheim taking on the other wild card team the Minnesota Wild coming in at 100 points uh, in, the, in the regular season these teams went two and two uh, Minnesota one of those losses coming in overtime uh, a fairly evenly matched series I think Minnesota and and I, and I was talking uh, uh, to my dad over the weekend who's a, who's a St Louis Blues fan uh, always has been and 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 he you know they played them. Uh, I think it was just this weekend, and, and they're a team that is very, very scary, I think Minnesota is. I think they're, um, they match up strongly against St. Louis. You know, you look at, uh, you know, the team ranks throughout the year. You know, the Blues had a, had a great uh, power play fourth in the league, but the best penalty kill in the league for Minnesota. Now, Minnesota's power play was kind of weak. A penalty kill for the Blues is fairly strong, so it'll be interesting to see there. Um, you know, both goalies very strong. You know, both teams, you know, can roll lines. This is a matchup that, that um, you know, it is evenly matched. But I feel like the, the Blues just have some sort of an edge. They, they, they were a team last year that, you know, I really thought it was their year. I thought it was their time. Things seemed to be coming together. But then in the, in, the, in the last week, two weeks before the playoffs, they really got banged up. They're coming in a little bit healthier this year. Um, I, I think their goaltending play actually has been a lot better 
Uh, it's hard to believe that, that you get rid of Ryan Miller and, and your goaltending gets, gets that much better. But um, I, I don't think he ever meshed in that locker room. You have two uh, younger goaltenders that, that work tremendously together. So no matter who is in net for the Blues, is is going uh, to be a great option. I actually have the Blues winning this series fairly easily. I actually have it only going five games. Okay, yeah, I, I agree. I'm going to agree with you. Blues, I say Blues in six. But I think, um, you know, Minnesota – Minnesota's an interesting team, uh, and, and the way Devin Dubnik uh, kind of burst onto the scene uh, in Minnesota was, was great. It was a, it was a great story. Um, but I can't, you know, I, I, I just feel like he's not going to um, last through, the, through this series. Um, you know, he literally played 39 games in a row. I mean, that's, that's a lot for a goaltender without, without rest. Um, that is, that's not easy. And, and granted, he was just terrific during that span. I mean, you know, unbelievable. I think uh, maybe 30, 38 or 39, I think he had 27 wins over that span, uh, just an unbelievable goals against average, 178, you know, five shutouts. But he has never played in the postseason. Um, you know, he's untested. And granted, he could come in and, and just shock the world and then steal the series. But I don't think he's going to. Um, I don't, I, and I think, I think, you know, this, this deep St. Louis team, uh, is going to overpower uh, Minnesota. Um, I think Minnesota is going to hang in it a little bit, uh, and and they'll take two games. But I think Tarasenko is going to have have a huge series. I think Paul Stastny, um, you know, he's key. He's key. I think he's you know that Stastny Oshie Schwartz line um, is going to be huge for St. Louis. Um, and they're they just have three really deep lines. I mean, you have you know uh, David Backus with 26 goals playing on the third line. Uh, that's incredibly deep, and that's going to wear on uh, on Minnesota, I think, over time. Uh, you know, and, and and you know their defense as well. I think um, you, know, you can't discount uh, Suter and and uh, Scandella. And you know, Minnesota's Minnesota's a good team, but I, I think St. Louis. Um, well, I think they have you know uh, an aspect of the San Jose Shark syndrome of years past. Uh, in the sense that I, I don't think they're going to win the Stanley Cup or even make it out of the West. I think they're going to win this series, um, you know, and, and at least, you know, get to the second round, something they've you know, struggled with. I think the goaltending issue is, is, is interesting. Um, you, know, you, you know, Jake Allen is young and, and, and has never played in the playoffs. Brian Elliott's been decent in his performances in the postseason, but not great. Uh, I don't know, though, if you really want that kind of – I don't know if you want to call it a goalie controversy. You know, that might not be the right word. But I don't know if you want that uncertainty uh, in net heading into the playoffs, though. That, that's the one thing about St. Louis that, uh, you know, I guess it's nice to have two goaltenders who can win. But, um, you know, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to see a, a goaltender named and then stick with that. Um, you know, I don't know if that uncertainty is going to really uh, go well. Uh, here moving into the postseason, but but nonetheless, I think I think the Blues take this series at six. Um, you know they are they are really they are a good team. They have a, a lethal power play, um, and, and then three really deep lines. Yeah, very good. A uh, uh, little little bit of crystal ball uh, before we uh, move over to the Eastern Conference. Uh, looking ahead, uh, who is your Western Conference champion? Uh, I actually have uh, I actually have the Blues coming out. I think they're going to beat the Hawks. Uh, 
I think the Flames beat the Jets in the second round, and then I have the Blues going over uh, the Flames in the Western Conference Final. Okay, I, I have I have um, I have Chicago coming out of of the West. I think you know, like I said, it might take them a little time to get their feet on them, especially you know with, with Patrick Kane coming back. But I, I think there's you know there's not a team in the West that that's got more experience than than them in the postseason. Um, I think if if Kane is producing at his normal level, uh, and 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 you know what, if, if Patrick Sharp, who by a lot of accounts had a, an off year, and, and he really did, he, he only had 16 goals. If Patrick Sharp, the, the UVM catamount, can can really find his game here in the playoffs, uh, they're just they're going to be so dangerous. And I and I don't I don't see a team that's going to beat them. I you know I think the Kings could have been that team. You know the the Kings are a team that you know they're built to win a cup. They're you know once they get in they can really make that run. The Kings aren't there this year. Um, you know, I don't think St. Louis is going to knock off Chicago. Uh, I, I, you know, I'd love to see the Flames go on a run. I don't think the Flames are going to beat Chicago in a seven-game series, you know, if it came down to it. Uh, I think Chicago is, is, is the class of the West, and I think they're going to, they're going to prove it. Very good. Moving over to the Eastern Conference in the Atlantic Division, you have the number two Lightning Coming at 108 points, Detroit Red Wings continuing the impressive consecutive seasons in the playoff streak. Uh, they're coming in 100 points. Um, Detroit one, two, and one in the season series. Uh, three and one for Tampa Bay. Um, you know, Tampa Bay is one of these teams that um, you know, if, if you're a Tampa Bay fan, you almost ride the roller coaster with them because uh, you know a couple years ago they were they were down. A couple of years before that, uh, you know, the, the, they were one of the top teams in, in their division at the time. Um, I, I think experience comes into play here. I, I like Detroit to win this one. I think I, I think I like Detroit in six games, um, but I, I think it's going to be a very good series. Um, I think the Eastern Conference is much different than the Western Conference, but uh, but I like Detroit here. Wow. Okay. I think this is the first series where you and I. Uh, have very different takes on this. I actually have Tampa Bay uh, winning this series in five games. Um, I think it's going to be pretty quick. Uh, and that's not to say okay. that I don't like Detroit. I, I do. I, you know, I think, um, you know, I think they're a good team, you know, obviously to make the, the, the playoffs as, as many years in a row as they have, you know, something's going right. I mean, their system is just brilliant. Uh, almost, you know, almost fail proof. Uh, however, um, I think, you know, after a really disappointing playoff series last year against Montreal, I think uh, you know the Lightning are going to uh, come out really strong. You know, Ben Bishop is healthy. Granted, he's playoff untested, but you go across the way and Peter Mrazek is getting the start for Detroit, who is also playoff untested. Um, and I think when you wipe the slate clean and you say, okay, we're even as far as goaltending is concerned, uh, you look at the Tampa Bay offense and it's just, you know, especially these top two lines, it's just lights out. Uh, you know. Uh, you have Steven Stamkos, 43 goals this season. Unbelievable. Ryan Callahan, you know, former Ranger captain, goes to Tampa Bay, has an unbelievable season, 24 goals, 54 points. And then uh, Chad Colon on the left side, uh, you know, 38 points. I think that, you know, that's a lethal top line. Um, and, and, and you just go down. You know, go right down the middle, Stamkos, Johnson, Philpula, and, and, and Brian Boyle. Um, you know, Brian Boyle puts up 15 goals this season on the fourth line. Um, I, I think, I think they're, I think that they're just, they're, they're a really good team. They're really good. They're really deep. Uh, and then you go, you know, to their blue line, 
Um, Victor Hedmino has a shot that should scare anybody. Um, and then Anton Strawman, who, again, also left the Rangers after last year's uh, run to the Cup final, uh, puts up 39 points, has a terrific season. Um, and I, I think, you know, even if Ben Bishop doesn't show up and play his best, I think the Tampa Bay offense uh, is, is going to be enough to, uh, to, carry, to carry them through. And they have home ice advantage and had the, uh, an NHL best, 32 wins at home this season. Um, I, think, I think the Lightning win, um, I think they take this pretty easily. They're going to win the first two at home. They're going to go and steal one in Detroit, and then they're going to win uh, at home in game five. Um, that I, I just I don't know. It's kind of, it's, this is just my gut. I'm going with my gut. Uh, I get the sense that Mrazek um, – I don't know. I, I I don't think he'll. Uh, I don't think he's going to play very well in those first two games in Tampa Bay and uh, in the Lightning. Like I said, in in five. All right. Very good. Uh, Montreal coming in at 110 points, second in the East, first in the Atlantic, uh, taking on Ottawa, the Ottawa Senators, who had just an incredible run to get into uh, the postseason. Montreal actually coming in one and three versus Ottawa this year. Um, of course, Ottawa 3-1 and one, uh, head-to-head. Um, I mean, what, a, what an unbelievable run the Ottawa Senators have had to get to this spot, to get into the playoffs, um, and, and give that team and that organization the utmost credit uh, for, for what they did down the stretch to get in. That being said, it, it, to me, it's been very reminiscent of the, I think it was the 2007-2008 Washington Capitals who at the All-Star break were second to last in the NHL in points and went on an unreal run, clinched the, uh, the Southeast Division at the time, which was, which was by all accounts the worst division uh, in, the, in the National Hockey League at the time under the old format. Um, the, the, the Caps got in. Uh, they, were, they, they played Philly in the first round, took them to seven games, lost in overtime, but, but throughout that series, there was just these, these moments where the Caps were completely gassed, and honestly, I think that's what we're going to see with the Ottawa Senators. Yes, they were better head-to-head than Montreal throughout the year. Um, you know, I think the teams match up well. I actually have this going seven games, but I think you're going to see kind of what you saw, in, like I said, in that Cap series those years ago where, the, where they had such – I mean, basically, they've been playing playoff hockey for, for a couple months already. And when you're playing at that, at that level where, where it's almost a must-win every night, it, it, it wears you out. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make you tired. You know, guys are going to be playing hurt. Guys are going to be playing sick. Guys are going to be playing exhausted. And I think it, it's, it's going to catch up to them. I mean, an amazing run, but I think Montreal wins in seven. Yeah, well, so right when we started this, uh, you know, got the show underway this evening. You asked me what I thought the, the best, most intriguing storyline was, and, and I, I, it has to be Andrew Hammond. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and the, the Senators team as a whole. I mean, it, you're right. It's been just an absolutely incredible run. Um, one, you know, I, when they lost to uh, Toronto in the shootout, you know, right near the end of the regular season, I, I thought that was it. I thought they were done. Uh, I did not think, I think, I thought missing that second point was going to, kind of finish them off, but it didn't. Um, this is a team, I, th- this to me was doomsday if, if the Rangers were to run into the Senators you know, in the first round. Uh, and, I, and I think it could be for Montreal too. 
I don't necessarily think it will, but it certainly could be. Uh, you know, the, the two things that you never want to face uh, heading into the playoffs is, is a hot goaltender and a team with momentum. And this Ottawa team has both of those things. Uh, I, I, you know, personally, I think this, this gap in, in play is the worst thing Ottawa could have run into. Uh, if they could have finished the regular season on Saturday and started at 12.30 the next day uh, in a Sunday matinee to, you know, uh, you know, in Montreal, uh, I think they, they should have done that. Uh, I, I think, you know, I still think they're going to they're gonna play well. I think, you know, they've got, I mean, Mark Stone's had an unbelievable rookie season. Um, may, you know, pull in and be the dark horse to win the Calder trophy. Um, but but I, I think you're right. I, I think this team is going to be really exhausted. And, and when you face up Andrew Hammond, who, you know, was just phenomenal in that, uh, you know, 20 wins and 23 starts. It, it just doesn't get much better than that. When you match him up against a, a, a playoff-tested goaltender in Carey Price, uh, you know, I, I would still, as good as Hammond has been, I'm still going to go with Carey Price. Uh, now, the, the thing that could swing this series, and this is why I'm struggling to choose who, you know, who I, I think is actually going to emerge victorious, uh, the health of Max Pacioretty is is key. Um, you know, he's hurt. He's now doubtful for game one, which is, is you know, very bad news for Montreal. Um, and, and I think it becomes worse news if the Canadians drop game one. If the Canadians drop game one, then find themselves in a hole and lose home ice advantage and still don't have Max Pacioretty, that's going to that's gonna really, um, you know, that's going to spell trouble for Montreal. Um, because then, you know, the Senators are going to smell blood if that happens. If Pacioretty can come back, uh, I think Montreal will, you know, will battle and, and find a way to win this, you know, probably in seven. But I, I think, um, you know, that's really uh, – that could be an issue uh, for, that Montreal uh, could face, you know, three, four games into this series. Um, I want to say Montreal is going to win, but, you know, like I said, hot goaltender, hot team with a lot of momentum. Um, this is going to be a great series. I, I think that's the bottom line. It is, it's going to be you know, tremendously entertaining. Uh, Ottawa fans are going to travel to Montreal and, and vice versa. Uh, it's going to be exciting. Both buildings are going to be crazy. They're going to be insane. You know, I've, I've seen playoff games in person in both of these arenas, and, and they're, it's just wild. Uh, so it's going to be a fun series. It's going to be uh, really entertaining to watch. Um, but there, there are some good storylines here. You know, the health of Pacioretty is a big question mark. Um, you know, I, I, but, but so is Hammond for Ottawa. So we'll, uh, we'll see. I, this, this is going to be a fun one, though. I'm, I'm really excited for this matchup. Yeah, I think it's definitely the most intriguing of the first-round matchups uh, in, in the Eastern Conference, maybe in the entire league. Uh, moving to the Metro Division, Washington versus the Islanders. Both teams coming in at 101 points. Uh, Washington had the tiebreaker over the over the Islanders. The Caps losing it to the Rangers on Saturday. The Islanders losing in a shootout to the Columbus Blue Jackets. I've never been more entranced on a uh, Islanders Blue Jackets shootout uh, than I was on Saturday uh, evening. But um, the, the the Blue Jackets pulled through for me. Got the win. Uh, three out of the four games in this season series went to overtime. The Caps lost two. They they won two games. The Islanders were two one and one against the Caps. 
a very, very evenly matched series, a very, very tight series. Um, you know, I think much like most of the series we've been talking about, I think this is going to come down to goalie play. You have Halak on one side, um, who absolutely frustrated the Caps beyond belief a few years ago with Montreal. Uh, Brayton Holpe even playing out of his mind uh, in, in Washington this year, playing all but, I think, uh, uh, nine or ten games this year for the Caps. So just an amazing run for Braden Holpe and the Capitals team. Um, everybody knows about the number of goals for, for Ovechkin, the number of assists for Backstrom. But I think that the big thing has been the complete uh, overhaul in, in style with Barry Trotz. And that's why I was so excited when he became the, the coach of the Capitals. The, the, the difference in plus minus for the Caps have been incredible. I think last year, you know, guys like Ovechkin and Backstrom were like minus 20, minus 30. And this year they're in the plus teens and plus 20s or something like that. So it's been a, it's been a complete culture change in Washington, and I think it's going to bode well for them in the postseason. I have the Caps taking this series in six games uh, over the Islanders. Yeah, so do I. I think um, I, I exactly the same. I, I think um, you know Braden Holpe has just been terrific, um, and and really you know a couple of my coworkers here in the office, you know all season they've been saying you know oh Halak he's 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 playing better than he's playing you know. Above his level, he's not, he's not as good as he's playing, and um, and I think lately you're starting to see that that might have been true. Um, you know, the Islanders really they didn't limp as badly into the playoffs as, as Pittsburgh, but they kind of backed their way into it. You know, they only won four of their last ten. Um, you know, their special teams is not not tremendous. Um, they I, I don't I don't think this is the Islanders' year. There there was a time this season where you know as a Ranger fan who grew up on Long Island, I was very I was nervous. I, 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 I just I had nightmares of, of the Islanders winning the Stanley Cup this year, and, and that would be you know literally my nightmare. It'd be you know I'm not old enough to remember the dynasty of, of the you know, decades <laughs> past, but um, that it would be it would be awful. And and um, you know I've I've since kind of accepted the fact and, and realized um, that that they're not going to win. It's not their year. They are um, you know I don't think Yarrow Holak is going to outgo Penn Braden Holpe. Um, you know, and I, I think I think Holpe has proven in the playoffs. He's you know he's he was really good in the regular season, and he's been better uh, in in his 21 playoff games. You know, he you remember when the Rangers played the Caps a couple of years ago and went seven games. You know, Holpe gave gave New York fits. Uh, you know, he was really really good. Um, but I think that you know the biggest thing that you're talking about is that culture change that Barry Trotz brought. Um, you know, the the I think they're so much better defensively than they they had been in years past, um, and and that was you know that was their issue. They didn't have those, you know, they didn't have the real shutdown defensemen, and, and they weren't deep defensively either, um, you know. And and they're they're really deep this year. You know, Carlson and Orpik is a is a great top pairing. Um, you know, Niskanen and Alzner again, you know, a strong second pairing. And when you have Mike Green who put up 45 points this year, uh, you know, on the third defensive pairing. You know that says something about um, about your team, and I think you know they're. I think Washington's a bit of a dark horse here. I think people you know look at them and say, "Oh, Vetchkin offense, blah 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 blah." They don't. You know, I don't. I think they're going to take a lot of people by surprise this year, um, and and I think they're going to win. You know, I I don't want to say you know so easily in four or five games, but I think they they beat the Islanders in six. I don't think um, you know. I I, I think. You know, I think the reason this this could go six is because of the Coliseum. I think the Coliseum is going to be going nuts. I mean, you know, 
with it possibly being the final two games ever at Nassau Coliseum. Uh, I think the Islanders are going to win two games at home, uh, but I, I think the Capitals are better than the Islanders. They win the goaltending. They win special teams. They win offensive and defensive depth, uh, you know, despite Letty and Boychuk. I think the uh, I think the Capitals are gonna uh, are gonna have a nice time against the Islanders and win this series. Yeah, and in, in six games they would turn out the lights in the Coliseum, which would be would be pretty awesome as a Caps fan to uh, <laughs> to see them close it out. Final series in the first round in the Eastern Conference is uh, is your New York Rangers, the President's Trophy winner, 113 points against the um, absolutely pitiful at this point, Pittsburgh Penguins uh, coming in, winners of only three of their last ten at 98 points. Um, head-to-head this season, New York 3-0-1 to Pittsburgh's 1-2-1. Um, not a whole lot for me to say about this one. I have the Rangers sweeping. I think, I think Pittsburgh is just um, absolutely a shell of the team they, they were a few years ago. Um, I think they've lost their identity. I think the the leadership in the room that was once so strong. Um, I think a lot of people are even questioning some of some of those guys. Um, just just a complete complete uh, uh, meltdown that team has gone through. And, and the Rangers. I mean, coming off the 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 Eastern Conference Championship a year ago, such a close series uh, with um, you know with the Kings a year ago. They're back in it. You know, they never missed a step this year. Uh, you know, Lundqvist went down, and, and I talked about it on the show. When he went down with that with that awful injury, I said, you know, this is this this is the end of the Rangers, and they they never stopped. They just kept moving. Um, you know, they, they they put the pedal down even harder, um, and and just an amazing year for the Rangers. I have them winning this one pretty pretty darn easily. Yeah, you know, I I certainly so th- this is where I I struggle. You know, I try and be you know professional and and and. And, and unbiased when I talk about the Rangers in the playoffs. And, and so the superstitious fan in me is not going to say they're going to sweep. I, I'm going to try and be humble and say they're going to win it in six because I, I do think <laughs> I think this is, you know, almost – it's not an unfair matchup, but it, it, it's – the Rangers are pretty heavily favored. And I think the Rangers are, are still going to win in six um, just because they're the better team. I mean, that's what it boils down to. Um, you know, I, I, could, I could run down a list of things that, that are, are – you know, that the Penguins face these issues. You know, Daniel Winnick uh, is not a top-line winger, and he's playing alongside Crosby and Hornquist. Um, you know, you've got their final defense pairing um, in Harrington and, and Dumoulin. Uh, that's not an NHL pairing. I, I'm sorry, it's just not. They, they've got 24 NHL games experience combined. Uh, that's going to force huge minutes on, on Paul Martin and Ben Lovejoy. Um, you, you know, and, and you have... Um, you know, Olimata is hurt, um, Latang, Christian Erhoff. Erhoff might return, but it's going to be too little too late for the Penguins, I think. Uh, you know, you've got you – know, the Rangers have three – you could argue, you know, their fourth line isn't – you know, I don't think it's as good as it was last year, but they've got three really, really strong lines. Nash, Broussard, and Zuccarello. You know, Nash obviously scoring 42 goals this year. Broussard setting a career high in points with 60. Um, you know, Stepan, who missed a portion of the season in the early going – uh, you know, just, uh, you know, below a point a game uh, with 55 finishing the season and, and Kreider hitting the 20-goal plateau. Uh, and then, you know, Kevin Hayes on the third line with Hagelin and St. Louis. St. Louis uh, had a bit of an off year but still scored 21 goals. Hayes had 45 points in what was uh, just a terrific 
second half of his, his rookie season. Um, and then you look at them defensively. And when you look at the Penguins' six compared to the Rangers' six, uh, even with Kevin Klein uh, presumably missing game one or, or you know, the early part of this series, uh, the Rangers are still you know, far and away the superior uh, team here. You know, McDonough and Girardi, Yandel, Hunwick, and, and Stahl and Boyle, it, the Penguins' six, it, it, it does not match up. And I, and I think the Rangers, they're, they're, they're going to exploit you know, every weakness that Pittsburgh has. Uh, I think Crosby and Malkin are still, you know, they're gonna they're gonna show up. I think they, you know, the lessened expectations are gonna, you know, be nice for them. Uh, I really, I think they're gonna play hard and 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 they're gonna they're gonna steal a couple games from the Rangers. But I think, you know, even with Kevin Klein out of the lineup, and that is a big loss. The Rangers need him to come back if they're gonna go on a long run here. Uh, even with him out of the lineup, um, and you've got Lundqvist in net. I, I think the Rangers. Um, they're gonna they're gonna win this in six, uh, and and hopefully go on a nice long run, but but we'll see. Very good. Uh, let's look in the crystal ball here. Um, I have the Canadians over the Red Wings six games. Um, the Capitals over the Rangers in seven. Uh, call me a oh. homer all you want. Uh, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my Capitals here. Uh, I have the Caps beating the Canadians in six. Um, winning the East, uh, but then falling to the Blues in the Stanley Cup Finals in six games. I have the Blues as your as your Stanley Cup champions this year. Uh, hopefully, making my prediction from last year finally come true. As I struggled to uh, to, to get it right a year ago, I think the Blues come in uh, this year as the number one team. Right. Wow. No. You know, I I, I haven't gone as far as to, to finish out my bracket because I, I just. I, there, there are some series that I, I really just don't know, but I, I, you know, if I were to guess right now, you know, I think, I think Montreal escapes Ottawa, and I think they will face Tampa Bay. You know, they beat Tampa Bay last year in four games. I think again they're going to beat them in seven this time, though. Um, you know, Rangers Caps. You know, I, I wrote something for the hockey writers a few weeks ago that a first round matchup against the Capitals would be really dangerous for the Rangers, and, and the same would stand true for the second round. Uh, I still think. You know, I think Henrik Lundqvist knows that he may not have you know, many more chances like this. I think he's going to play out of his mind. I think he finds a way to steal a series from the Capitals. I think you have a rematch of the last year's Eastern Conference Finals between the Rangers and the Canadians. Uh, I think it goes seven. I think Carey Price will put up quite a show if he stays healthy, unlike last year. Uh, I like to think that the Rangers will escape and win that series uh, and come out of the East. But, that, you know, that would be uh, really, really entertaining, uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and, unfortunately, uh, this is me trying to be uh, unbiased here. I think Chicago will be the Stanley Cup champion this year uh, over the Rangers uh, again, you know, in six or seven games. I'm, I'm not going not gonna to nail this down in, in you know, write it in stone, but I, I think, you know, I think Chicago edges the Rangers in the finals. I think, I think the Blackhawks are your Stanley Cup champions this year. Very good. Yeah. Um, like I said, that, that I think if I, if I remember correctly, is my preseason prediction. Um, so we'll see, man, we're, we're on the eve of it. It's, it's the, it's the best playoffs in all of sports. Jake, just let everybody know, uh, where they can find you on Twitter and, let, and we'll let you head out tonight, bud. 
Yeah, absolutely. You guys, uh, everyone can find me uh, at J Gitler. That's J G I T T L E R underscore hockey. Uh, I like to tweet about uh, random things. I mean, you'll find me tweeting about the AHL. You know, I, I you know work in the communications department here for the Adirondack Flames, so I um, definitely will tweet some about the AHL. But but now that the uh, you know the, the NHL playoffs are getting going, uh, it's going to be all all NHL playoffs all the time. I can't wait. Um, but yeah, Jay Giller underscore hockey. Um, well, it's, it, it, it's the best time of the year. It's so exciting. Um, it's been great chatting about playoff hockey for an hour. Loved it. All right. Very good, Jake. Thanks again. And, uh, and enjoy the playoffs, bud. Yeah. You as well, Jim. Thanks for having me. Yep. Take care. So again, thanks for Jake. Uh, the, the, today on Twitter and on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Sports, Twitter at Sports. I asked uh, a series of two poll questions. The first one was, who do you think will win the Stanley Cup? Number two, had to deal with the Masters, which we'll get to in just a few minutes. Um, let's go to a couple of the responses. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, Andrew, who's going to be joining us in just a minute, uh, says he's going to take the Rangers over the Blackhawks. Um, Sean says, uh, Anaheim over the Rangers, because why not? And Jason says Habs over the blues, uh, in the Stanley cup finals, but he says he does like the Blackhawks uh, now, uh, with Kane back and on Twitter at gravy train 100, uh, says the capitals will win the Stanley cup. Uh, and Adam at, at, uh, fair temp, uh, says, uh, Rangers to win the cup. Um, he said he would love to see a Canadian team lift the cup, but does not see it happening this year so uh that uh that is the uh preview of the stanley cup playoffs uh we're going to take a brief break here and on the other side we're going to have andrew coming in talking about the masters and much much more the wait is finally over baseball season is here at last and the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of major league baseball Daily Fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to claim victory when you can win huge cash every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players, stay under the salary cap, and you could be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day, just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code SPREAKER to play for free. You can win part of $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Welcome back to the Tuesday Timeout here on NGSDSports.com. I am your host, Big Jim. 
Again, Tuesday, April 14, 2015. And we're going to wrap up and recap the Masters here. The greatest uh, golf tournament in, in all of sports, without, in all of golf, without any question. And I think visually, and I said it a week ago, I, I still believe it, and I always believe it, that, that the Masters visually is the is the greatest event in all of sports because of the way the course looks. I mean, no matter how big the, the football game is, it's still a football stadium. It's still a baseball stadium. It's still a hockey arena. Golf course changes. You know, NASCAR track changes. There's only certain so many sports that the venue changes, and and the and Augusta National is just 110 percent the uh, the best uh, venue in the game of golf. Um, so let's get right into it. Bring Andrew into the show. It's been a little while, Andrew, uh, since you had the chance to uh, to join us, but uh, glad you could have us in. How you doing tonight, buddy? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I'm not working until 11.30. I get to talk sports, and the Atlanta Braves started the year better than the Phillies, so it's been a good couple weeks. <laughs> Very good, man. So, yeah, let's let's look at the Masters and, and what a weekend it was. Uh, a week ago, I'm going to pat myself on the back. Second year in a row, um, I, I correctly predicted the Masters champion. Um, last year was a little more of a shot in the dark with, with, with Bubba. Um, this year, you know, I'm looking at the way that speed was coming in, you know, winning, winning one of the last prior three events coming in second and the other two, uh, prior events, uh, those going to a playoff. So he was just absolutely playing such strong golf coming into this, but, but what, you know, obviously what stands out is the records, Jordan speed winning the masters this year at minus 18, Rounds of 64, 66, 70, and 70. Um, just an amazing, amazing run. And, and you know, before we, you know, break down, you know, the, the way Sunday went down and things like that, look at, let's look at the records that Jordan Spieth uh, had this weekend. Uh, wire-to-wire champion, the first one since 1976. Um, tying Tiger Woods' record of a minus 18 uh, Woods shot that in 1997. Um, Spieth missing a putt on 18 that would have gave him the minus 19. Um, he had the best 36-hole score at minus 14. The best 54-hole score at minus 16. Uh, the record for the most birdies at the Masters, um, he hit that when he hit his 26. He went on to hit two more and finish uh, with 28. He was the first player to ever reach minus 19 at the Masters. He now has eight rounds of par or better at the Masters to start his career, which he holds alone. He has never shot a uh, a round worse than par in his in his year um at uh at in his couple of years in the Masters. He is the second youngest to win a major behind Tiger Woods. Twenty one years, eight months, sixteen days. Tiger was twenty one years, three months, fourteen days. So, I mean, it, it's just an unbelievable weekend for Jordan Spieth. And what I think is even crazier about it is when you look at you look at the top ten from this past weekend. Justin Rose behind Jordan Spieth at minus twelve. Phil Mickelson minus eleven. Charlie Hoffman, Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy. Uh, excuse me. Charlie Hoffman at minus 10. Then you had Dustin Johnson, 
Rory McIlroy, Kevin Na, Kevin Streelman, Tiger Woods at minus six, Paul Casey and Hideki Matsuyama at minus five. At minus 10, minus 11, minus 12, most years probably win you the Masters. But in a year where where just an unbelievable uh, an unbelievable year, an unbelievable weekend for Jordan Spieth to finish minus 18. What a weekend it was, Andrew. It was an absolutely incredible weekend. Um, Jordan Spieth looked like a golfer that was playing beyond his years, which is, you know, kind, you know that is kind of what you felt like with Tiger when he started playing. But uh, he... I mean, did, I don't recall him hitting any real trouble spots. He just looked great the entire time from the beginning to the end, and he conducted himself like a like a true champion. You know, he, you know, he didn't even at the end. I didn't think his emotions got crazy ahead of him. You know, as he's trying to finish out the round, get back to the clubhouse. You know, like sometimes you see people just go absolutely crazy. I mean, he was. I mean, all all throughout the entire four days, I was really impressed by his composure throughout. Um, I'm really excited to keep watching him for years to come. Uh, I think he could definitely take over Tiger's so-called niche when he retires as, you know, the big guy everybody needs to gun for. And, you know, I kind of hope that happens. I became a really big fan this weekend. Yeah, he's been a guy I've been watching for the past couple of years. And the other question I posed when I talked about uh, the, the poll questions, if you have any thoughts on either the poll questions, Stanley Cup winner, uh, or is was Tiger Woods or was Jordan Spieth's minus 18 this weekend more impressive than Tiger's uh, minus uh, 18 in 1997? You, know, you, can, you can call them in 724-444-7444, the call ID 135-138 or you can tweet me at Big Jim Sports. Um, we had some responses. Obviously, you know, we'll let you, uh, t- you know, d- defend yours. Uh, Sean said uh, he doesn't personally think this was more impressive. Uh, he won it with his approach game, which is incredible in today's power golf era. Uh, but to him, there were many other golfers with tremendous scores too. When Tiger did in '97, the second place golfer finished at minus six, uh, which is obviously 12 shots behind him. Uh, blame it on technology, whatever you want, but Tiger simply outclassed and blew away the field that year. Um, Jason commented, overall, yes, the course is longer. He doesn't have the power of the other top guys. Uh, he was just pure when it came to shots. One argument for Tigers is the fact that the club and ball technology have come a long way, um, You know, almost like Babe Ruth hitting older baseballs and, and things like that compared to today's sluggers. So thanks to those for that. Uh, Gravy Train 100 said some aspects, yes, and some no. See the distance of the course versus new technology versus winning margin, and uh, Adam, uh, who who uh, chimed in on the Rangers, also said that uh, he thought Tigers uh, was better. So Andrew, looking at it, um, you know, because that that's kind of been the debate over the past couple of days uh, since Sunday is is which which was more impressive, which win was better, which minus eighteen, and I mean at this point, almost you know, it's obviously opinion based. You're almost splitting hairs. Um, but yeah, Tiger won by 12 strokes. Spieth had to fend off veterans. Um, you know, you, you look at, and, 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 and while all the opinions that, that, excuse me, were given, you know, by, by the, by the, the listeners and, and everybody that, that chimed in, 
it's funny because you know everybody's kind of bringing up the same reasons, but but have different viewpoints. So, so it is very interesting. Uh, you look at it, the the scores of Rose and Mickelson, who both you know who both came in at uh, minus fourteen, would have won seventy three of the previous seventy eight Masters. Which, which, when you think about that, is just absolutely unreal. And, you know, there was a couple points on the card on Sunday where Jordan Spieth didn't have the best hole. I mean, he had a couple bogeys out there, but at the same time, Mickelson and Rose, you know, they weren't able to capitalize. And I think that was a huge, huge thing uh, for, for Spieth to be able to fend him off because that was the thing. And as I talked to friends of mine over the weekend, I said, at 21 years old, I don't care how good he's been playing. If you still have a bad shot here or a bad shot there, if you you can have that trip-up moment and, and it can slip away in an instant. We saw it a year ago, and I know how well he has been. But, you know, you, you look at what Tiger did in 97. He had rounds of 70, 66, 65, and 69, and uh, Tom Kite coming in second at minus six with 12 shots behind. Tiger completely dominated the field. So in one light, you want to say Tiger's was more impressive because he, he, he beat the, you know, he knocked the doors off of everybody else. But then if you look at the other players, you know, you know at the time and look at the guys that, that, that Spieth had to fight off, and, and you had some of the best players in the game right now. Mickelson was there, uh, you know, who's been a Masters champion. Rose who's been playing extremely great, Rory, who, who just came roaring back, wasn't even going to make the cut and play just unreal from, from the, the back nine on Friday through, all the way through Sunday. You know, Jordan Spieth, the 21 years old, fought these guys off. And to me, that's why I think Jordan Spieth is more impressive. And also because, yes, we have the, the, the technology today. You know, the, the, the clubs are hitting farther. The balls are traveling farther. But Jordan Spieth isn't that long ball hitter, and the course itself has been made longer. The course today is 500 yards longer than it was in 1997. So you have a guy who's not hitting the ball as far, just absolutely dominated the course, and and fought off some of the best in the game today at 21 years old. And and really, he did it in his short game, and especially his putting. That guy, uh, I'm surprised he doesn't have third-degree burns on his hands from holding that putter all weekend. Well, I think it's a really hard thing to debate. I mean, it it's kind of like comparing apples to oranges because the technology changes and the course change. Personally, I think the record is at the very least equal to Tiger. Um, I think you could I think for the reasons you mentioned, you could give Spieth a little bit of an advantage in the who's better who's you know, is overall better because of the technology, the longer course, and the competition. But at the same time, I mean, if you took Tiger at that age and at that ability and put him on this course with the pure ability he had back then, I almost wonder with his power game how Tiger would have done on the, on the course as it is today as he was when he was younger. But really, I mean, the records, you know, they're very much equal, slightly to Spieth, you know, because of 
like I said, because of the factors you mentioned, but, you know, minus 18, still minus 18, and uh, it doesn't matter what way you cut it, it's still better than you and I could ever do combined on any golf course in the country. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, a guy I regularly golf with, um, he and I were talking and said that we would uh, we would be thrilled if we could break 200 at Augusta because, uh, you know, it, it, it's such a great course. But it, it's a tournament I love to watch. And, and speaking of Tiger Woods, and, and, you know, we talk about 97, we talk about the comparative, um, you know, the, the, the comparative year, uh, years, but you look at Tiger and you look at the weekend that he had, you know, round one, he shot a 73 and, and the, the grumblings immediately came about, you know, uh, you know, he had taken, two, you know, two and a half months off from his last tour appearance before uh, coming into Augusta, which again, it, it's a very difficult course, regardless of these guys who have won it multiple times, know how to play the course. They change it every year, but you know, he comes out and, and he shoots an opening round 73, a one over. And it's like, man, I just want to see this guy make the weekend. I just want to see him make the cut because he looks so refreshed and so calm and so happy all last week. You know, he's at the par three with his kids. He's smiling. He's laughing. He's hugging other golfers. He's signing autographs. And, and really the talk all of last week was who is this Tiger Woods? Who is this guy in the Nike cap with the TW logo? Because this isn't Tiger Woods. You know, Tiger Woods doesn't smile. He doesn't laugh. He doesn't have fun on the golf course. This was, this was a different Tiger. When he came out on, on Friday, he shot the 73. There was frustration. There was grimacing. There was... You know, swing. You know, swinging of the clubs, cursing on the course. We've all been there. We've cursed on the course. But you know, it's it's like, man, this guy just needs to turn around. Comes out on Saturday, shoots his second best second best round of the weekend. Shoots a sixty nine, makes a cut, sixty eight on Saturday. Put himself really what I thought to be in a position where he he could, and not not that he was going to go for the run because he was still quite a few shots off. Uh, of Jordan Spieth at the time, but I thought if we can go out and have another, you know, 68 round, he might finish in the top three. And he came out, he shot a, he shot a 73 on, on Sunday. You had the, you had the, uh, you know, the incident with the route, which we'll talk about, but, but what I wanted to see at a tiger this weekend is what I saw. You know, he, he did have a frustrating Friday, but remember it's his first competitive round of golf in two and a half months at a very difficult course. He came out and he played great on Friday, even better on Saturday. You know, he looked refreshed. He was smiling. He, he was hitting his iron extremely well. And honestly, if he could have put, uh, you know, putting hurt him this weekend. If he could have put better this past weekend, especially Saturday and in the early part of Sunday, um, I, I think we're talking about Tiger in, in the same breath maybe not as speed, but as, as Mickelson, as Rose, as McElroy, those guys that were right up there near the top, you know, cause Tiger finished at minus five, but he missed a lot of putts that he should have had easily could have been in the minus 12 to minus, uh, you know, 14 or 15 range. Uh, 
Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, Tiger definitely left some shots out there. Um, I will say this though: uh, after hitting that root, and as it as the um, he admitted in interviews later that he essentially popped everything back into place afterwards. I give him a lot of credit for being able to gut that out and finish. If I think I told you on Twitter, uh, it was either Twitter or Facebook. If I had done that playing around a golf, I think I would have had. I think I would have been back in the clubhouse with my hand in a cooler full of ice. And I don't even swing nearly as hard as Tiger does. And that it was hidden in the straw. I mean, I give Tiger a lot of credit for coming back after such a layover between rounds and putting up the showing that he did. I mean, he's not, you know, 20 mid twenties tiger, but at the same time, he's definitely not an old man. That's getting ready to pack up his clubs and head to the senior PGA tour. He's still going to be a force this year. I think he could even fight for even fight or compete for one of the, uh, uh, one of the other majors this year. I'll call it now. Oh, I think so too. You know, if this it's what we saw this weekend is Rusty Tiger. Um, you know, I can't wait till we see uh, you know, a, a guy that that's kind of in his groove. He you know, he did say on Saturday on Sunday, uh he's not sure when he's gonna play again. No no surprise to me there. Um, you know, gonna kinda go work on some things that didn't go well uh, this past weekend. Yeah, let, let's talk about that incident with the root. There was a, a shot uh on Sunday on the front nine, I believe it was at eight, either eight or nine um, without a doubt, hit a tree root, um, and immediately, you know, I grabbed for his hand. People keep bringing up, and this has kind of irritated me over the past couple of days because I feel like uh, people want to make the um, people want to make the story. Oh, cause Tiger wasn't playing well. He he, he was he's faked an injury, and then you know when he said that a, that a bone or a joint popped out, he popped it back in. Everybody says he it was his wrist. I, he never went for the wrist. I watched the I watched the replay multiple times. The knee went in towards the finger, and you know we've played sports. We've seen athletes do it. I've seen pro wrestlers do it. I've seen you know football players, hockey players, what have you. Um, you know if you know you can have a have, you know kind of dislocate a finger and pop it back in. I've seen my, I've seen friends do it, um, and, and absolutely. You know, when you when you hit a root like that, I know if I hit one, it's going to hurt me. I'm not swinging near as hard as these guys are swinging. And I have no doubt that he could have popped something out and popped it right back in right there, especially being right in the hand. Um, fighting through the pain, because that goes right up into, into your shoulders. Um, you know, it, it, the fact that he finished, I, I was really afraid. Seeing him walk up that fairway, uh, you know, leaning to the right side, I thought, man, just please finish, please finish. Don't let those people write the story. Instead, they're writing it anyway. And I think it's just haters hating it because that's, um, you know, what, what people have come to do with Tiger Woods. And I get it, whatever. Have fun, write your story, but, but, but be honest about it. It wasn't the wrist, it was a hand. And, and for Tiger to fight through it, it wasn't, it's not the same Tiger you expected because a Tiger a year ago, Maybe he would have pulled out, and, and and also you know going to the injuries Tigers have had with the with the knees with the back, um, you know, a couple of years ago I went to play around and and my back seized up in the in the middle of the round I could barely get a, a breath of air in I finished the round but but my scores went completely off the chart, you know and these guys like I said are are hitting much stronger swinging much stronger much harder 
um, than I will ever hope to. Um, you know, if you're having full on back spasms, you're not going to be able to finish around. It, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. The, the degree to which people will tiger hate. Um, but I was excited to see him go out and, and do what he did. Um, I, I think he could very, very well compete for any of the other majors this year if he plays for him. And I certainly think he will, because I, I think that, that he's, feeling good enough right now that I think he could, uh, that, that he wants to, to compete for that record. Yeah, I really hope he comes out and just, just puts all this, put, uh, I really do. I can't see the Tiger come back and be able to start with that time record because I think he's got plenty of golf in him. Um, let, let's start that ascent again this year. I, I you know, he's finally getting healthy. You know, it'll definitely take some time for the hand, and he should. But you know, this I, this could be one of the best years of Tiger seen in years. I really hope it happens. It's so good for the game of golf when it does. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew, uh, you're breaking up a little bit there, so if you can check on your uh, phone connection there. Um, we're going we're gonna to move ahead from the game of golf now. But what I think is, is, is pretty impressive is it, with Jordan Spieth um, winning uh, th- this past weekend. You know, a lot of guys tend to t- uh, take, a, take a week off. He is sticking with, uh, with his, um, you know, his commitment to the, uh, the RBC Heritage uh, Tournament this weekend in Raleigh. Uh, he is he is playing. He's paired with uh, Jordan Reed or Patrick Reed, and uh, forget who else tomorrow. But but uh, Jordan Speed not taking any time off uh, from the Masters. So so going out. And I said, why not? He's 21 years old. He's in tremendous shape. He's been on a roll. Why stop it? You know, I think it's it's a great uh, great thing that that the Brown, that, uh, that 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 Jordan Speed is playing uh, this weekend. Yeah, it is. Um, it, it, as you point out, it's not very often that you see players doing that. I think it's good for speed. He's young enough that his body can handle. Number one and number two, you get such a momentum coming out of the. There's a huge, huge boost favor. You run with that as far as you can. You you know you get as points as you can FedEx Cup, and as much as you can pocket. Go for it, kid. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew's still uh, still breaking up a little bit, having some trouble uh, hearing you. So, I mean, even if you have to uh, to hang up and, and call back in, uh, just just check your uh, check your phone phone connection there. Um, but uh, moving on to college football, uh, Urban Meyer and Ohio State have have come to a new agreement uh, on on his contract, uh, an extension, uh, which will keep him in uh, at Ohio State through 2020 make him the highest paid coach in the Big Ten. Uh, under his old deal, he would have been paid uh, $4.9 million, but now uh, who has led the Ohio State Buckeyes, of course, to the national championship uh, just a few months ago, will make $5.8 million. He will average $6.5 million over the next six seasons. Um, but but not, not even what he's done, and, and I mean, the guy's a prick, don't get me wrong, but but not only what the what the guy has done at Ohio State, but you're looking at a guy 
that uh, has won three national championships. He's only 50 years old. I mean, it, it, it's absolutely, you know, it, it is absolutely just an unbelievable story of how good of a coach he actually is. Um, and and the 6.5 million mark would put him number two in all of college football, reportedly under uh, the 6.95 that Alabama's Nick Saban made last season. But the the turnaround at Ohio State, a program that went six and seven and just three and five in conference play in 2011, the year before he arrived, 38 and three at Ohio State, 24 and 0 in the regular season uh, in in the Big Ten. Uh, Myers teams have gone unbeaten in the regular season conference play in Power Five conferences in four of his past five years as a coach. Uh, he's also the only coach to have won national titles in two different conferences. Uh, he's also led the program to achieve its highest graduation success rate at 78%, which, I mean, it, it, you know, when, when you look at a school like Notre Dame who's graduating between 98 and 100% every year, um, the new his original contract was through 2017, now keeping him there um, until the end of the 2020 season, which would currently be at uh, January 31st, 2021. No surprise here, the Buckeyes locking him up. Uh, what well, you know, a tremendous run that he has had with the Buckeyes and 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 with that school, and, and even with with Florida when he was there. You know, my question is. You know, you, you saw what happened to his health at Florida. Does that happen here if Ohio State starts to slip? Um, you know, th- that's going to be the thing. I, you know, I hope he doesn't. I hope it. You know, I hope the man stays healthy. You never want to wish, you know, any ill will on a person at all. Um, you know, but but for the Big Ten, which is you know, which is which is finally on the upswing, it would appear. Um, and for the rest of college football, th- th- this has to be. You know, when when this story comes out, has to kind of be a, a, a crap type of a moment because you, you're you're seeing a, a team that is so dominant, um, you know, a team that is so dominant to get back and get back their coach, get back their, um, you know, the, the the guy that is that is making them what they are and as good as they are back for you know an, an even longer extended period of time you know from from a monetary standpoint i mean the guy should be making the most as as a, as a college football coach he he's absolutely um you know in my opinion the, the you know the best coach in college sports today i think he's better than nick saban because he is doing he is doing at Ohio State, and at 50 years old, what it what it's taken Nick Saban, you know, uh, the length of his career to do, and he and, and Urban Meyer has done things that Nick Saban hasn't been able to do. So you know that that tells you right there just how good Urban Meyer is, just how good th- th- this Ohio State program is. You're in a situation where you have three quarterbacks that would start anywhere else. You know, you're, you're in a situation where you would have three, you know, three quarterbacks would be a starter. You're going to have a guy who won you a national championship, won you a Big Ten championship, and he may not even be your starter next year. 
so it's just it's a, it's, a, it's an amazing story for Urban Meyer. Like I said, I think the guy is, is a prick from a personal standpoint. But I think Andrew, we have you back on the call. What are your thoughts on Urban Meyer's new contract with Ohio State? Well, as much as I hate to admit it, because I don't admire any of you do, he's earned the money. I mean, has any team in the history of sports lost three two members of the most important position on the field for whatever sport you need? And then still been able to win the win the whole big to win the big no. And I don't like Urban. I'm a big fan. Not really much of anything about it. Was a ton to lose. I always have to have a little bit of experience. Andrew, I don't I don't mean to cut you off, man. It, your your phone connection is is really really bad. Uh, I'm really having trouble making out any anything you're you're saying right now. Um, just, it, 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 it's pretty bad. I don't know if it's, if it's, uh, really a problem on your end. Um, uh, if you want to give it another go here, um, um, or if, if you're just having trouble, uh, you know, preventing you from fi- for finishing the show. Um, but, but, uh, give it one more try, buddy. Is this coming through better? Uh, yeah, a little bit right now. Okay. So um, what you have with Ohio State is that what they did last year is historic. There's a sport where you can lose three, I'm sorry, two players at the most important position on the field and win the thing. It, it's never happened. As much as I hate Urban Meyer and I hate Ohio State, Penn State has absolutely earned the money. Yeah, he 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 really has. He he you know he he's done everything he can, and um, it's just been an amazing run. And and you know, like I said, the Big Ten has been on an upswing. Um, you know, for the first time in a couple of years, obviously hardball coming in is big. Uh, James Franklin, Penn State is doing good work. You know, so I think the Big Ten as a as a whole, from a football standpoint, is 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 actually you know improving to a level. Um, where they can be competitive and they have to be. And I think you're going to see a time where, you know, the SEC is beginning to slip a little, uh, the PAC 10, uh, excuse me, the PAC 12 is gaining some charge. Um, you know, so I think you're going to, you're, you're starting to see kind of a change at the top, um, of college football. And, and obviously with, um, obviously with, with urban Meyer at the helm, it, it's, it's Ohio state has to be on the tip of everybody's tongue when you're, uh, when you're, when you're talking about the top team in college football going ahead uh, towards this season? Oh, absolutely. Their back depth is unparalleled and most important position on the field. I mean, this just year, another man stepped up, and they've got this depth across the roster. I mean, like I said, I hate it, but right now they're my, absolutely my pre-favorite to repeat. Yeah, very good. Uh, breaking up a little bit towards the end there, uh, Andrew. So just uh, just check on that. Uh, keep a keep a close eye on that. Um, 
Lou Holtz, uh, ESPN college football analyst on college football final. And, uh, you know, he makes appearances on SportsCenter, things like that. Um, it was announced yesterday that he's no longer with ESPN after the two sides recently agreed to part ways. This, according to a report from Richard Deitch of Sports Illustrated, um, Holtz is reporting that Holtz leaving ESPN close was, clo- was, quote, closer to a mutual agreement between the parties than Holtz getting forced out. So, um, you know, I don't know if it was the end of a contract and they could come to an agreement or whatever. Uh, Holtz has been with ESPN as, a, as an analyst since 2004, uh, most notably joining Mark May and Reese Davis on Saturday night's co- college football final. The 78-year-old former coach uh, was, of course, known for his heavy support of Notre Dame, who he coached for 11 seasons. Um, back in May of 2014, Dan Murphy of Blue and Gold Illustrator reported that Holtz had planned to retire following this past season, uh, which may not be the case. Uh, Holtz's agent, Sandy Montag, said, quote, Lou enjoyed his time and friendships made at ESPN and looks forward to other opportunities uh, in college football. This, of course, uh, means even larger uh, sweeping changes with the college football final uh, because Reese Davis is now taking over the uh, lead uh, host role of college game day, uh, stepping in for the departing Chris Fowler. Uh, so now um, Lou Holtz obviously out of that program as well, leaving Mark May, who you know, if you look at those three guys, the only th- the only one that I would have gotten rid of would have been Mark May. The guy's a, a, a you know a Pittsburgh toting windbag, but uh, but Mark Mark May is left uh, unknown at this point whether or not there's going to be a full sweeping change at, uh, at at college football final. I would imagine that it would if the show, if the show continues, and I imagine it would. It's a fun it's a fun program to recap the day's action. Um, I, I don't see why if you're going to, if you're going to have a, you know, a full new, new lineup, why would you keep Mark May around? But, uh, you know, this, it's going to be interesting to see if, if, and where Lou Holtz lands. Uh, obviously, you know, many times people, uh, you know, have fun with, with his, his lisp or, or, or what have you. But, um, you know, I think Lou Holtz is a tremendous college football mind. Uh, he, he coached great at Notre Dame. He coached great uh, at South Carolina, you know, so, uh, you know, obviously wish Lou Holtz the best in, uh, in his future. Yeah, it's going to be really to tune in and watch it and not Lou there. Anymore. I mean, Lou is sometimes, and he definitely showed his favorites, but right. This football mind is next is, you know, next to none. I'm going to miss watching him, you know, as much as he'd be sometimes with what I thought was a slightly overzealous love of Notre Dame. He was still a, you know, he was still a great, great, great to listen to because he, he knows stuff. Um, early prediction, I'm going to say he probably goes to Fox Sports or possibly CBS Sports. Yeah, Fox seems to be the biggest competition uh, for for ESPN, and and uh, I think it'd be great if he landed there. You know, I always like tuning in and, and seeing the things that he has to say. And, and Andrew, finally, uh, the last thing here um, for tonight, and, and with about uh, only about eight to ten minutes left, um, pretty much first uh, first week of the baseball season uh, is over, um, and obviously, you know, you take. 
things you see in the first week with a grain of salt uh, because it, it, it it's there's obviously far uh, far and away more games left than have been played. But uh, you know, is there anything that jump off the page at you after week number one um, that, that really kind of surprised you? You know, to me, I'm looking at uh, you know the, the the Royals. You know, I, I thought they would would continue strong um, after after the run to the World Series a year ago. But uh, jumping out to a seven and zero record uh, to start the year, um, Seattle at three and five, a team that I thought you know was going to be very strong this year. Uh, you know, a slow start at, at three and four. Um, Atlanta jump out at six and two, and two and six for the uh, Marlins and Nationals kind of surprised me. I think by the you know a couple months from now you're going to see those positions flip. Um, I don't think those teams are going to hold on uh, to those marks. Um, and, and even the, the 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 Giants and the Dodgers, somewhat of a slow start. You know, not not as porous as, as the uh, Washington Nationals. But you know, those are the things that just kind of jump off the page at me. Uh, in the first week of the Major League Baseball season? Number one, I said most of the offseason as I was watching Atlanta roster, I could see that they wanted to go to small ball and get away from striking more times as a team than like Ryan Howard in an individual season. Um, I think they did that, and I think that's going to bring a lot of success to Atlanta. The one thing that weighs more than anything else is good pitching. Atlanta has that. Even without Craig Kimbrell, Atlanta has some fantastic pitching. I don't think that they're going to hold season. They're a season of really being contenders, but I think they're going to hold on for longer than people um, For our local fans in the area, it's going to be a rough year for the Phillies, but I say not. Cole Hans is not going to be as bad as his 0-2 start. Going to pick it up traditionally, a terrible pitcher in April, but always picks it up once July, August, and September. Um, I was not at all surprised to see the world come this strong. I had them outside at possibly going to the World Series. That really surprised me at all. And I think the ace is going to be as fast that whoever comes out at the worst and bloody is going to be the winner, but I'm not really ready to throw. One team into the yeah, there's it's such a tiny litmus test for such a long season. I mean, you know, one sixteen. We don't really know a whole lot about it either. Though. But the AL East is going to be an absolute slugfest. Yeah, absolutely, Andrew. Uh, still some problems with the phone there, so we're gonna. We're going to close it up here. Just let everybody know uh, where they can find you on Twitter, and uh, and hopefully down the line we can uh, can can avoid the um, some of the technical problems uh, on the phone line tonight. Yeah, yeah, unfortunate about that. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at PyroLord, P Y R O L O R D three. I will happily argue, discuss anything from sports, game, bring it on. The presidential coming next year, might as well get that started. All right, very good, buddy. Uh, Have a good night and, uh, and take care, all right? You too, Jim. Take it easy.
And again, for the for the problems with the phone line there, we we, we do apologize. Uh, it is one of the disadvantages to doing a live show. Uh, is you, you got to deal with a little bit of technical problems. So thank you for uh, for sticking with us uh, through that. We'll we'll try and make sure it's better uh, in the future. Again, thank you to Andrew for joining us in the second hour. Thank you to Jake Gitler uh, for joining us to break down the Stanley Cup playoffs in hour one. I thank you for listening. You can always follow me on Twitter at Big Jim Sports, Facebook.com slash Big Jim Sports. We are NGSDSports.com. Visit us there on the site. Check out all the shows, the full lineup. You can also podcast it at Spreaker and iHeartRadio. You can uh, you can subscribe to this show directly by searching Big Jim Sports. And uh, just a very cool opportunity for me tomorrow uh, and, and and to, to uh, plug the shows here uh, that, that, that I have. I'm going to be traveling to New Jersey tomorrow to be a guest on Pizza Beer Revolution podcast, uh, which will air at a later date. So make sure uh, you check them out at Pizza Beer Rev on Twitter. Again, at Pizza Beer Rev. I'll be traveling down to New Jersey to record a podcast with them. Stay tuned for the details to when that will air. Um, check out their podcast again, Pizza Beer Revolution. So thank you for listening this, you know, this week, guys. It's been great. Uh, enjoy the Stanley Cup playoffs because they are beyond the shadow of a doubt, the best playoffs in all of sports. No questions, no debate. If you think otherwise, you're wrong. Have a great week. Thanks for listening, guys. And as always, go for the win. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.